This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Eliza Harvey. It's Tuesday the 14th of December. In your Squeeze today, opening up the West. Our friend, South Korea, Golden Globe nominations, and a champagne problem. This is your Squeeze today. WA's borders have been the subject of much debate across the last two years, Eliza. So an announcement on borders reopening from Premier Mark McGowan was highly anticipated yesterday. What he said was that the state is at the 80% fully vaccinated target for those aged over 12 years, but he wants to get to the 90% mark, which should happen by February. And so as far as borders reopening, the 5th of February it is. February the 5th, it's the big day for everyone who has family in WA. But like all things COVID, there's a lot of rules and regulations. So arrivals will be required to be vaccinated, obviously, then return a negative COVID test 72 hours prior to departure, and then two days after they arrive in the state. And if you stay longer than five days, you also have to have a test on day six. And there's also been an international border announcement. We did expect uh, international students and skilled migrants to be arriving a fortnight ago, then Omicron landed and everybody got the jitters. They will now be allowed to come to Australia from tomorrow. And that's a further sign that Australia is reopening on schedule. Yeah, that announcement from the federal government yesterday. As for tourists, we already have one-off travel bubbles in place with Singapore and New Zealand. And from tomorrow, Japanese and South Korean tourists will join that. In other COVID news, Eliza, the Victorian government, the federal government and Moderna have done a deal to produce mRNA vaccines here in Australia. And that's a big deal because we don't produce these vaccines like Pfizer and Moderna here, so they all have to be imported. That was the big problem in the vaccine rollout last year and this year. So under this deal, they'd make vaccines for seasonal health problems like the common flu. And by the middle of the decade, they could ramp up to make the Moderna COVID vaccine here. Now, we don't know all of the details because they're commercially confidential. But what we do know is that Australians would have priority access to them, so we wouldn't have to compete with the overseas market should there be another pandemic. Yeah, so it's for a lot more than just the COVID vaccine. And what this does is see Australia become the only place that is able to manufacture mRNA vaccines locally outside of the US and Europe. As you rightly foreshadowed in yesterday's podcast, Eliza, South Korea's President Moon Jae-in is visiting Australia. He met with the Prime Minister yesterday. He welcomed that travel bubble we mentioned in the previous story opening. But the focus really was on a billion-dollar weapons contract we signed with them. It's said to be Australia's largest ever military deal with an Asian nation. Tell us more. Yeah, it's a really big deal. It's with the South Korean defence giant Hanwha. And for that billion dollars, we get artillery weapons, supply vehicles and radars to be built in Geelong in Victoria. And this all takes place against the backdrop of a more aggressive China. Moon and Scott Morrison said that ties between our like-minded democracies would be elevated to a, quotes, comprehensive strategic partnership to help secure the peace in the Indo-Pacific region. Yeah, he's here for four days. So this is possibly just the first of several agreements to come out of the visit. We know he's here to talk about security, trade and to mark the 60th anniversary of diplomatic ties between the two countries. 
We spoke on Friday that commemorating the Tiananmen Square massacre is not allowed in Hong Kong. It's seen many who have defied that ban in June this year arrested and sentenced. One of prominence is Jimmy Lai. He's the founder of what was the Apple Daily newspaper in Hong Kong. Eliza, he's been one of the most prominent supporters of the city's pro-democracy movement. Yeah, he's a powerful man who did have a mouthpiece in the Apple Daily newspaper, but as you mentioned, that was closed down earlier this year. He has been sentenced to 13 months in jail. He did face a possible sentence of five years, and in fact, he's already in jail on other charges around his pro-democracy stance. But on this specific charge, he and thousands of other Hong Kongers attend a banned vigil commemorating the 1989 Tiananmen Square massacre. And in his sentencing hearing, hearing, his lawyers produced a letter that Lai had handwritten in jail, which said that if commemorating those who died because of injustice is a crime, then inflict on me that crime and let me suffer the punishment. Quite a quote right there. He was one of eight activists sentenced yesterday, with those sentences ranging from four and a half months to 14 months in jail. To Haiti now, where back in July, the country's president, Jovenel Moisi, was killed in an attack while in his private residence in the nation's capital. Eliza, now an investigation by the New York Times has revealed a possible motive behind that assassination. This is a fascinating story. The report reveals that he was about to hand over the names of local politicians and businessmen involved in the country's drug trade. The report says he told officials to spare no one from the list, including powerful supporters that actually got him into the presidency in the first place. And his wife, Martine Moisi, has given her first interview about the night those gunmen burst into his official residence. They killed her husband and then she was also shot. She lay on the ground bleeding, pretending to be dead. And she says that she heard them say, that's it, as they were rifling through his private files. And they also ransacked the private office. The report also says that senior Haitian officials say that some of the captured hitmen confessed that retrieving that list of those names, those suspected drug traffickers, was a top priority. Yeah, if there isn't one already, Eliza, I sense a New York Times podcast series coming on this. (laughs) What do you reckon? Absolutely. Let's talk entertainment now, and that's because the Golden Globe nominations were announced last night. That's right, the Golden Globes. I like the Golden Globes. I also like a good red carpet. But um, there's lots of Australian names on this list. Nicole Kidman has been nominated for her performance in Being the Ricardos, and director Jane Campion's Western The Power of the Dog got seven nods each. More broadly, lots of names that you'd know, Lady Gaga for House of Gucci. Uh, We've got Kristen Stewart of Twilight fame. She's there for Spencer and Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth. And in TV land, lots of nominations for The Morning Show and Succession. And Ted Lasso, one of our favourites here at The Squiz. (laughs) The Golden Globes, of course, have been controversial of late due to issues around ethics and governance and diversity or lack thereof. But it continues, Eliza. The winners will be announced on the 9th of January. A couple of public service announcements now for the super wealthy. If you're in the market for a super yacht, you better get in line. Yeah, who knew? I mean, look, (laughs) I haven't done a lot of super yacht Googling over the past year, but apparently the super yacht industry is booming and the number of vessels under construction or on order has hit a new record, uh, a rise of about 25% on last year. And one of the main super yacht brokers says the market has never been busier. He's been in the market for 20 years and he says a lot of people want to be on the safety of their super yacht and to avoid the rest of the world. 
which makes sense, I suppose. Kind of makes sense if you can afford it. Why not? <laughs> and also, Eliza, if you're lucky enough to have your hands on a yacht and you want some French champagne to drink on board, there's a shortage just in time for Christmas. It's meant that Dan Murphy's and BWS have had to introduce buying limits. <laughs> this is another one that's got me chortling. I mean, I must say, so, you know, when you talk about the supply chain, it seems all quite dry. But then if you put French champagne into it, it all sort of seems to come to light. So this is one of the great tragedies of uh, Christmas 2021. Yeah, well, the thing is, there's still plenty of champagne for over sort of that $2,000 bottle mark. So if that's your budget, you're sweet. But for some (laughs) French champagnes, there are those buying limits, as I said, 12 bottles per customer per purchase occasion. Before we go, we can't not see this one through, Eliza. We spoke yesterday about the Sex and the City reboot and the controversy coming from a key character being killed after using a Peloton exercise bike. The company took a big share price hit for it and now looks like they've had the last laugh. That's right. Well, this character in question, who we won't give the gender of, has been seen again on a video that's been put out by Peloton to say that they are alive. They're sort of in character, so to speak, and um, pointing to the fact that the fictional storyline has not indeed led to the real-life heart attack of this person. I'm a massive sceptic. It seems like it's all very conveniently set up, this one. Oh, you what do you think reckon? it's been? Oh, Maybe no. Maybe a PR stunt. <sighs> well, if it's a PR stunt, it's gone quite sharply off the rails, but um, <laughs> they're having a bit of a laugh about it now. That's very, very true. That's all from us today. If you enjoy the Squeeze Today podcast, a big thank you from us and thank you for telling your friends about it and for sharing it. We do really, really appreciate your support. Not long now until Christmas, Eliza, you'll be back with Larissa tomorrow. now from our podcast partner, BHP. Across the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking to Squizzers about BHP and the work they're doing to provide the materials that we need to transition to a low emission economy for the energy transition. At the start of the podcast, you heard how copper is used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. So when it comes to producing it, reducing emissions is a priority. And that's why BHP is making solar, wind and battery deals to help power their South Australian Olympic Dam copper mine. It's happening now at BHP.